Hey, Russ. What's going on, Mike? Do you hear what I hear? I don't hear anything yet. <laughs> I hear Christmas music everywhere I go. It's oh, Christmas time. That's what you mean. That's right. Yeah. This is the Christmas episode. Yeah. Did you notice? I, do you hear what I hear? It's a Christmas song. See how I did that? That was... Um, yeah. Got me off guard there. <laughs> you weren't impressed. <laughs> but don't worry. The rest of this program will be very impressive. That's right. I promise. All loaded with holiday favorites and some new ones as well. We're at episode 142 of wow. Adult Music, the podcast with music for the mature mind and doubtless yeah. also for the holiday spirit in this episode. Yeah. All the above. All the above. That's right. <laughs> I don't know, I think it might be too early to have listened to all this Christmas music, but it's not too early to be present again, I know that. All the shops around us already have loads of Christmas music going on. As usual, we'll be bringing you uh, three classical recordings, three jazz ones, and a couple extra recommendations to tag on at the end there as well. Yeah, some of these are classical in name only, I would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to have some surprises uh, stylistically as well. Before we get going, just to go back to last week's episode, I want to thank Elmar Fry for reaching out to us. You know, he was the only one who I couldn't find an account for himself or for his record company to tag on Facebook. So I said, oh, I'll try to get in touch later. And by the next day, I had gotten an email from him already. We discussed his septet recording seven colors on privave records and i think you had mentioned mike it didn't look like there was a cd available right yeah right. me didn't do my research well <laughs> enough i guess anyway he informed us that they are indeed available through the privave records i checked it it was easy to find the link so we just wanted to let our listeners know correct that fact and if you want to get a copy of that swinging and exciting recording yeah. to add to your collection go to privave records you can find the information on the recording from our last week episode links. I want to get a copy of it. It's not Christmas music, but it makes it feel like you feel at Christmas time all year round. I mean, happy. I don't mean like, you know, in massive debt or anything like that. <laughs> also in the episode description for all the music we're going to talk about tonight, you can find links to Spotify and Apple Music. Also at the top of the description, there's a link to the full episode playlist. You can get all the music in one place on Deezer, CD quality streaming music from France. They also have the podcast there if you want to listen to everything in one spot. If you can't see the full description or the recording links are not clear or easy to follow on your app, you can always come over to our host site. That's podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Everything's clear and easy to follow there for all of our episodes. If you enjoy the podcast, please follow or subscribe wherever you listen to us. Tell a music-loving friend that helps us get new listeners. And if you take a moment to give us a ranking and write a short review, that'll help us get listed in the music category recommendations. We can get new listeners that way. Be sure to come over to our Facebook page as well. You can get some extra info. I put up a bunch of new releases in the last couple of weeks there. You can see our faces over there. Interact. Leave a message or comment if you please. And if you want to get in touch directly with any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is adultmusicpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Want to mention, as always, our friends over at The Same Difference, two jazz fans, one jazz standard podcast. That's AJ and Johnny, who look at several versions of the same jazz standard in each episode. They play snippets from each version, discuss the history of the original and the different versions. There's a link to their podcast in the description. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, you can check out their little promo. And we're going to be hooking up with those guys this week. Well, maybe. 
<laughs> we, you never know. <laughs> it looks like it's on anyway. It looks like it's on. Yeah, think so. about what, what they do. They once said about they don't know how we do what we do. Like listen to six albums every week and go for a weekly podcast. But I have to return that comment. Hmm. I, I don't know how they do what they do. They listen to different versions of the same song. I think that would drive me batty if I had to do that every two <laughs> weeks. But uh, for reasons that you learned on the last week's podcast. Right. But right. I'm looking forward to doing this one. So, you know, with them, that'll be fun. Right. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mm. Well, before we uh, get into all of this new holiday and Christmas music we're going to talk about, I also want to mention right off the bat that actually you can just turn off the program here. You don't need to listen to the rest of this because there's really only one Christmas album that you'll ever need. That's true. <laughs> I'm still I'm, I'm listening to it already this year. So was yeah. I. That's Robert Hicks' Winter A While. Now, yeah. We discussed this in last year's Christmas episode. It covers every style of music. Took him more than one year to do all the arrangements. There's big band, there's rocking songs, there's a couple of nice, funny pop loungy tunes, there's classical string arrangements. I had just as much fun listening to it this year as I did last year. After last year, we got in touch, had some nice chats with Robert, and uh, you know he spent some time uh, with a residency playing here in Japan, and so it was fun to hear about that. And I'll include the link for that recording in our description this time as well. And what I haven't asked him yet, maybe he'll get in touch and let us know, is the sites all have a 2023 remastered edition. <laughs> I'm wondering what needed to be done. Yeah, because it came out last year. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's different, but uh, mm. that's up there too as well. So yeah, definitely take a listen to this recording if you haven't heard it. It definitely deserves a wider audience. It's uh, really a work of love by him, and it's a lot of fun constant surprises uh, throughout the recording. That's a great record. And we're going to give you a little taste and samples of the music we're going to talk about tonight. And as always, our fair use disclaimer, music sample clips are for commentary and educational purposes. We recommend that listeners listen to the complete recordings, all of which are available on streaming services in the links provided. We also suggest that if you enjoy the music, you consider purchasing the CDs or high quality downloads to support the artists. All right, so we'll just jump right in, I guess, huh? Let's uh, let's, let's start get that holiday spirit. Let's <laughs> blowing in. Let's start the season with Christmas from Norway. Ooh, it feels cold already. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is by the uh, soprano Lise Davidson, one of the big stars on the opera scene today, and she's in her late thirties now, and that means that uh, Wagner recordings are going to be on the way. People usually sing those in their forties because. Mm. They tend to end your voice, so you do them towards the end of your your singing career. Right. <laughs> anyway, so she'll have, we'll have like at least ten years of her doing that, which will be great. And this is a gigantic voice. She's with the uh, Norwegian Soloist Choir, the Norwegian National Opera Children's Choir, the Norwegian Radio Orchestra, conducted by Christian Egan. Yeah, it's all Norwegians on this recording. This is on the Decca label. And guess what? What's that? Decca has provided the texts and translations. In the CD booklet. I just want to put that out there because not everybody does that. Right. And that's the reason to buy the CD. So I'm going to promote that. It's only in English, though. They don't have all the different languages. They just have Norwegian okay. or whatever language she's singing in. She often sings in English, but there are a lot of Norwegian songs on here, mm -hmm. too. And there are English translations for that. So I guess uh, French and German speakers will be a little upset about that, but that's how it is. Anyway, Lise Davidson says in her booklet, this is probably, by the way, the highest profile classical Christmas album that was released this year. She says, she wrote a note in her booklet, notes that uh, Christmas was how she got into music. And uh, hmm. not so surprising. I think that's the way right. a lot of people get into it. 
especially if you're growing up in a, a church, because one of the great things about Christianity, and this really isn't true of other religions, or it's more true of Christianity than other religions, is that music is such a big part of you know Christianity, going to church and things like that. Right. And it's inspired a lot of um, great, even secular recordings too of music. And there, are, as everybody knows, there are tons of Christmas songs all over the world. Sure. And we even hear them in Japan now too, <laughs> where they don't yeah. really celebrate <laughs> Christmas. Um, by the way, it's kind of a very small community of Christians in Japan, but they've really taken to the secular part of the holiday. You see, like Christmas decorations and trees, like everywhere in public here. Sure. It's really pretty. It's kind of, it's kind of odd to see, really. But I've gotten used to it now. Okay, so anyway, Lise Davidson. Her family listened to all kinds of music, choral, popular, and the Norwegian song she sings on this album. Uh, she's from, I hope I'm saying this right, Stoke, S-T-O-K-K-E, and sang in the elegant white Arnadal church there in her late 20s, well into her career. And I bet uh, people would have really enjoyed that. I mean, she's just a mm. great singer. Uh, she says it was an essential part of the spirit of Christmas for her. And this album is going for the familial intimacy of festive seasons past and present and in recording it and this is kind of an, a key to really getting what's happening on this album Davidson is following in the footsteps of her Deca forebears Luciano Pavarotti and Kirite Kanoa remember those names oh, everybody right. remembers yeah. Pavarotti but if you were an opera fan you know Kirite Kanoa from um I think she was from New Zealand she was um a big soprano star in the 70s mm -hmm. and 80s I remember when I was in college that she was still singing if you're a big fan of opera stars singing Christmas music, most of these arrangements will sound familiar to you because Decca made a lot of these um, arrangements back in the days of Luciano Pavarotti and Kiri Taikanova. So mm -hmm. you're hearing the same arrangements again right. in some cases. They'll evoke Christmas's past. So there's a little bit of like that, uh, I shouldn't say this word, postmodern. Because postmodern means like you're kind of taking from the past and making a present and changing mm -hmm. it. That's the old meaning. Now it's taking on the whole new kind of... Right. negative <laughs> connotation. <laughs> so anyway, but it, it is kind of, it does have that kind of quality. We have all this music available to us. So I'll point these out as we go. Now, the first track is Adolf Adam, who you probably don't know, but he is the writer of, in this case, O Helga Nat, which is the Norwegian for O Holy Night. Right. Okay. This is originally a French song called Minuit Chrétien, and we're not going to hear any of the French on this album. Anyway, Placide Capot wrote the words in French. These are translated by Anonymous and Augustine Koch. Now, arranged by Douglas Gamley and Christian Hazel. I want to mention the English words and the French words are totally different. They, they don't have the same meaning. <laughs> this, this song is about something completely different in, in French than it is in English. So, she sings this, Oh Helga Not. She sings this, I don't know if I said Norwegian, but it's in Swedish. That's actually Swedish. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. The arrangement was originally made for Luciano Pavarotti, and he sings it on his famous Christmas album in both English and French. Now, if you own that Pavarotti album, as many opera fans will, and as I do, when you hear the opening of this, you're going to say, oh, this is the Pavarotti Christmas album, because the same arrangement, the same right. orchestra arrangement that Pavarotti sang to, is being used. And then suddenly you hear Lisa Davidson's voice, and you, re <laughs> you realize right. that it's... Um, not so it's kind of odd in a way let me yeah. uh let's let's hear that some of you might remember this i don't know how many people uh, heard that album i should listen to that again i haven't heard it in like many years i do have it on the shelf though anyway let's hear uh lise davidson sing this opening or the opening of this uh track 
All right, we're going to hear a lot more of um, Davidson's voice <laughs> later, so I'm going to take that out now just to, just to go there. Okay, so anyway, as you heard, Davidson's voice is really big and very rich. Uh, she's recorded at a bit of a distance, as you also heard, because I think the orchestra sounds really uh, up close here, with very little room sound haloing the voice. But it's, it's not dry. It's a, actually a pretty good recording of her voice. The tone is absolutely beautiful, as you've heard, as is the phrasing, reminiscent of Pavarotti's combining verses in a single breath, like two vo verses in a single breath. Mm. Uh, she does two verses of what I believe is a four-verse version in English. The original French version is completely different, as I said. And the second verse is the uh, Led by the Light verse. There are actually, I think, four verses to this song if mm. you sing the whole thing, and most people don't. Pavarotti, on his um, version, sings the first English verse and the first French verse. So he switches between English and French. Mm. She sings two verses here. Davidson can soften her voice for intimacy with admirable breath support. That's hard to do. When a singer sings quietly and has a solid tone, that takes a lot of breathing technique because something needs to be supporting that voice and keeping it even. So really great singing here. She's really got all the, uh, all the tools. This is all solid vocalizing. And by the way, the ability to uh, combine phrases into a single breath, that's really a, a gift. You have like serious lung power when you can do that. The second track, Engelbert Humperdinck. This is the German composer, not the guy that sang After the Lovin'. <laughs> this, another song that my mom and dad liked when I was younger. Whose real name was George Dorsey anyway, I think. Well, the English guy was, yeah. yeah. This, Engelbert Humperdinck, the German composer's real name, was Engelbert yeah. Humperdinck, and I'm sure we all feel sorry for him yes. <laughs> as a result. Anyway, this is his piece, Weihnachten, which also, I believe, appeared on Diana Damrau's album, My Christmas. You know, the one released by on the Errata label that doesn't have the translations in the booklet <laughs> or on the website. Talking to you, Errata slash Warner Classics. Anyway, we have the translation of the words here. Now I can use this translation to go back right, and listen right. to that. Anyway, Weihnachten. This is number one from Weihnachtslieder. Weihnacht is Christmas. Okay, Christmas night. Adelheid Wette wrote the words. And this is arranged by Charles McCarris, Sir Charles McCarris, who is an English um, conductor. And uh, I remember hearing him conduct quite a bit on recordings when I was mm -hmm. much younger. This arrangement was made for Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, another name from the distant past now. It's not as well known in the U.S. as it should be because it's really beautiful. It's catchy with simple and a highly appealing melody. And we hear a bit of a variation of tone in Davidson's voice in this. She lightens it from her laser intensity at times, but it's mostly in the same tone as Oh Holy Night. No problem, it's fantastic singing and a solid tone. Let's hear a little bit of this, because this is a song we should uh, get familiar with. It's really pretty. also mention about Lise Davison. We had talked about a recording of hers in the past of her singing Beethoven's Fidelio, and I thought her voice was really too big for the role. 
I don't think that's the case anymore. I think she's learned since that time or has started to uh, temper her voice a little bit. It sounds really great on this recording. Okay, track three, another famous tune, Franz Xaver Gruber, the composer of Silent Night, yeah. or the original version, Stille Nacht in German. This is arranged by David Cullen and um, Josef Moore wrote the words. The Norwegian National Opera Children's Choir is uh, heard on this, and uh, Edel Stray Pedersen is their conductor. This arrangement was made for Kirite Kanawa, so fans of her Christmas album might recognize the beginning mm. of this. I'm not going to sample this one, though. It's sung in English. The arrangement features a harp, and this is such a big voice that you have to listen closely to catch the words. Pronunciation is very fine, but Davidson is mostly going for beautiful tone here and achieves it. We hear three verses of the song, usually we only get two, and strings come in rather lushly in the last verse. Too lushly for my taste, but again, this is an arrangement for Kirite Kanawa, so it's something of the past. It sounds fine on the recording, though. If you like those lush strings, they come up sounding really well on this, or sounding really good. Track four, Gustav Nordqvist, and this is where the album starts getting really interesting, because this is um, a Norwegian Christmas song. It's called... I don't know how to say this. Yul, Yul, Stralanda, Yul. Okay? Yul, J-U-L, means Yul, right? Christmas. Okay, Edvard Evers wrote the words. And this is arranged by the conductor, Christian Egan. Okay, we hear the Norwegian Opera Children's Choir on this again, whose conductor is Ed Lestray Pedersen. And this is the only track that the Norwegian Radio Orchestra doesn't play on. So this is uh, a cappella. Nordqvist is born in Stockholm in 1886. And this carol is a staple across the Nordic region, not just in Sweden. It's a distinctly Scandinavian sort of nostalgia in this song. And this is really where the album, as I said, comes across as something new. Uh, Davidson lightens her tone here very effectively. And you can tell she's very at home in this tune. The piece has a hush over it. The children's choir enters and sings with Davidson in the second verse. And they bring some very welcome, further lightness to the melody. I'm actually going to sample this, though, from the beginning so you can just hear the melody. This will be Davidson singing this solo. fade out there. You can actually hear the children's choir humming mm. in the background. Track five is a traditional folk tune. Bernhard Severin Ingemann wrote the words. It's called Dialig er Jorden, arranged by Christian Egan, the conductor. And the children's choir soprano part is taken from an arrangement by Anders Urval. The Norwegian soloist choir is conducted by Simon Arlassier. Norwegian National Opera Children's Choir, Edlestrate Peterson again. The original Danish poem by B.S. Ingman is sung here in Norwegian. The melody, whose um, turning motif foreshadows Bach's Jesu bleibet meine Freude, comes across... By the way, that um, Jesus is my friend. In English, that is known as Jesu joy of man's desiring. Right. So that da-na-na-na-na-na, you can hear like echoes of that in this piece. It came before Bach, so Bach kind of sort of dressed it up a bit more in his piece, comes from a traditional German pilgrim's song. 
The orchestra is back and plays the wistful opening. The melody finds Davidson in her lower range at the opening, quickly moving up in range. This is another simple, catchy tune. I like the tone Davidson is getting in these folk songs. It's pretty light. Uh, with the enunciation coming across clearly. The orchestration blooms into Richard Tambor in the third final verse, ending with a warm brass and string sound. Track six, a traditional folk tune with words by Hans Adolf Brossen. Mit Hierte Altid Janker. <laughs> Deep apologies to all of our Scandinavian listeners because <laughs> I don't speak any of these languages. Arranged by Christian Egan, the conductor of the album. This is a Norwegian take on a traditional Swedish melody. Boy, those Swedish uh, mm. composers, they, they have a lot of music over there in Sweden that originates there. This arrangement uses the Swedish nickelhampa, a bowed folk instrument with mechanical frets, which was compared to an accordion on the verge of tears by oh. the British writer Andrew Brown. We'll hear the nickel harpa in the sample, but first let me just say this has beautiful tone, clarity of enunciation from Davidson on the folk-like melody. She gives the listener a frisson in this piece with her lighter tone. And you can hear the nickel harpa in the first minute, and I guess we should uh, sample that. Let me. Uh, this is actually from the minute and 50-second mark, so let's hear that. Track 7, a composer familiar to us all, Jean Sibelius, Finnish composer. Yul Visa, number 4 from Visi Yululaulua. <laughs> okay, again, Finnish friends. Wow. You can call me and uh, tell me how to say that if you like. Opus 1, Zacharis Topolis wrote the words, and this is arranged by the conductor Christian Egan. What's great about these songs is that despite not understanding the sung text, although you have translations in the booklet, you can enjoy these songs because they're in the familiar Christmas song melodic language. Davidson has really pulled back on her fullness of tone, sounding only slightly operatic on this track. It's a beautiful performance. Track 8, Johann Sebastian Bach. What would Christmas be for us classical fans without the music of Johann Sebastian Bach? Martin Janus wrote the words, Jesus bleibet meine Freude, from the cantata Herz und Mund und Tat und Leben, BWV 147, arranged by Chris Hazel. In English, this is known as Yesu, Joy of Man's Desiring. And we're now in the Baroque era with this familiar tune, which we rarely hear sung. We usually hear an instrumental version right. of it. We get the vocals here, and Davidson's voice fits the piece well, though it's not the light voice type that's often used in Baroque music these days. I still, I think we need to hear more voices like this in Baroque music. I know they like to go for the lighter mm. voices, but this is just another... Um, way to hear that music. So I recommend this track. I remember we talked about an album of Davidson's two years ago where I felt her voice was too heavy for Beethoven and also for the uh, the Italian uh, Verdi aria that she's sung. But since that time, she's as I mentioned, she's managed to temper it for certain pieces and like this one. This is a thoroughly enjoyable performance. In fact, I felt it was a bit short. I wanted it to go on. Track 9. Max Rega, words by Martin Bullitz, 
Maria Wiegenlied, so Maria's lullaby, Mary's lullaby. This comes across with a folk-like feel, with Davidson still in her lighter tone, which is still on the heavy side, but still, it's lighter than she can be. On the words Schlaf Kindlein, in the second verse, she floats out a high note that lands gently on the ear. There's quite a bit of tenderness towards the baby Jesus in this song. Let's uh, get a little sample of the beginning of this. Okay, track 10, Johann Sebastian Bach slash Charles Gounod. You know what's coming, don't you? This is Gounod's Ave Maria set to the uh, well-tempered clavier um, Prelude in C Major by J.S. Bach. This arrangement was made for Leontine Price. She recorded it with Herbert von Karajan conducting. Again, names from the past. It's a famous tune. The arrangement features the harp, playing Bach's well-tempered clavier prelude in C major as the Gounod added melody line carries the words. The text is in Latin, uh, solid legato singing throughout, so much that we almost don't notice the Bach accompaniment on the harp. Gounod's melody line takes over in Davidson's interpretation. Track 11, Hugo Wolf, Edward Murica words. This is called Schlafendes Jesuskind, Sleeping Baby Jesus. From number 25 from Murica Lida, IHW 22. Davidson sounds very at home in this song, too. I'm sure she's sung a lot of Hugo Wolf. It's got a light Wagnerian feel to it, and her legato phrasing is put to good use here. I like the gentle emotion that Davidson puts across. The piece is sensitively sung throughout. Let's sample that. Wow, that's uh, really beautiful. Okay, track 12, traditional. The first Noel, arranged by Luther Henderson, originally recorded by Eileen Farrell. Boy, this is just bringing up a lot of singers from long ago. The text here is English, and Davidson enunciates this in what I call operatic English, with certain vowel sounds exaggerated. I looked for looked, all right? Most of it is clear and well enunciated. Keeping the legato line is the focus. She goes up for a powerful Noel at the very end. Track 13, John Francis Wade, O Come All Ye Faithful, arranged by Douglas Gamley and Chris Hazel. I always thought this song was a lot older because it's hmm. usually sung in Latin, but it's not. It's kind of, I guess it's from the, um, it's from recent times at least, maybe the 18th century. I didn't actually look this up. Anyway, this features the Norwegian soloist choir conducted by Simon Arlasje. This was arranged for Luciano Pavarotti. I remember this warm arrangement, mostly for Pavarotti's warm and inviting voice. The vocal here and handling of the English text is fantastic, caught between operatic 
and church singing. And it's good to hear the choir back in the second verse for some variety. Four verses of this song are sung in this particular arrangement. Let's hear the beginning. Uh, Pavarotti fans? I do. <laughs> anyway. And finally, track 14. Again, we hear O Holy Night again. This time, this is an arrangement for Pavarotti, uh, an arranged by Douglas Gamley and Chris Hazel here. It's the same arrangement as the opening, except it's sung in English here. And Davison sings this beautifully, really sweeping listeners away with her phrasing and steady tone. There's some soaring tone at the end of the last verse, a beautifully sung ending to a memorable operatic Christmas album. Let's hear the uh, just the end of this. It's got a great ending. should have probably uh, included more of that high note, but uh, you know where to find this album. This is certainly an album of great singing, and you can tell that Davidson really feels this music in her soul, especially in the Scandinavian and German pieces. In fact, I'd say that for American listeners, the real find here will be the Scandinavian songs, which I wasn't familiar with, but enjoyed thoroughly on this album. It's an enjoyable album in a more churchy formal rather than festive way, and may be up there with some past albums by beloved opera singers. I have to say, this doesn't have the inviting warmth that vocalists like Pavarotti and Teikanawa were able to provide, but I wouldn't go as far as saying the vocals lack warmth. They certainly don't. There's just something about Pavarotti that invited even non-opera fans in, like people just wanted to hear him. I know that Davison has that quality, but it doesn't really matter. This really is an album more for opera fans, I think, and especially fans of Davidson. It's more in the line of an Elizabeth Schwarzkopf Christmas album, if you can imagine that. I haven't heard that particular album. I don't know that this is going to be a, a classic, but it's certainly really good, and I think a lot of people will cherish this album, especially if they love opera. It'll certainly be cherished by fans of this singer. Yeah, the first Oh Holy Night high notes had me clutching the pillows on the sofa <laughs> thinking I might need them to get through it and then no I, my expectations were wrong the rest of the recording is kind of subdued and relaxed Davidson treats the melodies gently and as you say the arrangements are sort of classic in uh, style you know they sound really kind of familiar 
I was able to enjoy some older melodies that I recognized and then some of these Scandinavian tunes that I didn't know. They were all easy to enjoy and I thought she had a really different approach here than we've heard her in the past. And yeah, I thought it was really enjoyable. You know, I'll tell you what, let's uh, hope it does become a classic. I mean, I did like it. People need more opera in their lives. Okay, the next album (laughs) really seems to be trying to be a classic. Let's take a look at this. It's called A Choral Christmas, and this is by the spectacular vocal ensemble Voces 8. I don't even know if that's how you say that. But um, the ensemble features its eight singers, Andrea Haynes and Molly Noon are the sopranos. Katie Jeffries Harris and Barnaby Smith are the altos. Blake Morgan and Ewan Williamson are tenors. And Christopher Moore is the baritone. Jonathan Pacey, the bass. And there are extra singers. I'll mention them as they come up because sometimes the voices are tripled. The Voces 8 Foundation Choir, Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra, conducted by Barnaby Smith. And this is also on the DECA label. So DECA is really coming up a big. And I want to say the translations are in the booklet, as are the texts. Way to go, Decca. Love it. Okay. All right. Well, Voices 8 already has a Christmas album. It was released in 2012, and uh, it's more in their style. This album sort of came up by accident, as it turns out. It was recorded in three sessions on July 26, 2019, and that's going to be the uh, Magnificat, which we'll get to, tracks five through nine. I'll talk about that more when we get there. And in late November 2021, uh, so why didn't it come out in 2022? One wonders. Mm. Anyway, the album came out with very little fanfare this year, in fact, and I thought I'd highlight it here as I'm a big fan of Voces 8's singing. Also, as is one of our listeners of the Adult Music Podcast here in Japan, who often posts about them on my Facebook site. Anyway, the American composer and arranger Taylor Scott Davis's hand weighs heavily on this recording, and it's really, I feel, more his recording than it is Voces 8. They're just providing the spectacular choral singing. It features a work he composed, Taylor Scott Davis, that is, and he arranged a good deal of the tunes on the program. Barnaby Smith says in his notes that Davis has an ability to orchestrate with vivid pictorial color to engage the imagination of the listener with cinematic soundscapes. All right, let's underline that word, cinematic because that's a really good word for what we're going to hear. Cinematic soundscapes that transport us to worlds we could only dream of seeing in person, like we would in the cinema, I guess. He adds that the outcome of having Davis arrange many of the carols on this album is to make the scores broader and deeper and more enrapturing than he could have hoped. Um, I think it really depends on what kind of an ear you have mm-hmm. or what kind of music you like if that's going to happen. Uh, Smith adds that this album was never meant to be, but the COVID pandemic brought it into being. And so here we are with another Christmas album featuring Voces 8 on it. Track one, a tune called uh, Antioch is the source of the music for this. It's often attributed to Handel. And the text is by Isaac Watts. Joy to the world. Everybody knows this. Now, this is an arranged by Taylor Scott Davis. Okay. We features the Voces 8 Foundation Choir, Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra. The tune Antioch first appears in Lowell Mason's 1836 book, Occasional Psalm and Hymn Tunes. And it's attributed to being from Handel in the book. There's some seriously theatrical, American-sounding, colorful orchestration to this tune. (laughs) Is it refreshing? Well, it depends on what you think of the tune. I have to say, 
this is a brilliantly engineered album. Uh, the tune moves slowly, and I think the orchestra rather upstages the choir, who sound a bit distanced. This has a sweeping feel in the choir. The joyousness comes mostly from the orchestra. That's no fault of Voces 8. It's the arrangement. I actually think this arrangement is a little crazy, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like the choir melody should be front and center. The track ends on the words, and wonders of his love without resolving those words. And one, we don't get that ending. Let's listen to this so you know what I'm talking about. That's quite a lot. <laughs> I'm kind of more waiting for Indiana Jones to come out than Jesus at that point, you know. I know. <laughs> I know. That is a Hollywood sound, and it's very American. And I want to ask, what is it about we Americans that we make music like that? Nobody else seems, nobody else does it or, you know, can do it or has too much taste to do it. I don't know what it is about us. What do we like about this so much? Do you have any ideas about that? It's just uh, too much positivity there, I guess. Positivity. I think it's a good thing to have, yeah, really. You know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we're. I guess we're optimistic people in spite of <laughs> whatever happens to us. I don't know. I think it's a welcome uh, thing for music in general that, mm. that that's in the world. I mean, it's good to feel good. But man, that's uh, really over the top <laughs> for joy to the world. I don't really think of that like that. So maybe uh, Taylor Scott Davis is changing my... Uh, thoughts about this uh, piece. Anyway, track two, William J. Kirkpatrick, text by Anonymous, Away in a Manger, arranged by Taylor Scott Davis again. I should mention he's an American composer and arranger. <laughs> that shouldn't surprise anyone right. after what you just heard. This features the Voces 8 Foundation Choir, Mark Bennett on the horn solo, Jack Liebeck on the violin solo. I remember Jack Liebeck, by the way, playing on one of the uh, Romantic Violin Concerto series on Hyperion. I don't remember which one it was, mm. but he was the soloist on one of those concerto albums. also features Emma Denton, the cello soloist, and the Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra. This has an old-fashioned feel to it, with weepy, sweet violins and harp in the arrangement. I was wondering why the texts of this old song were not included in the booklet, and it's because they're not sung. This is an instrumental track. Right. I think this is all Voces 8 Foundation Choir singing the angelic vocalese harmonies in the background, and Voces 8 isn't on it. It's sumptuously orchestrated. That's what I think, but I'm not sure. Track three, Bob Chilcott. We're going to hear more of him on the next album. He's um, become sort of in the footsteps of uh, John Rutter, one of the great arrangers and uh, composers of uh, choir music in England. This track is a text by Charles Bennett called The Sleeping Child. And this is a breath of fresh air after the first two tracks, which really just have me soaring into uh, cinematic uh, soundscapes there. 
This is modestly scored, and we hear Vosis 8 up front on it. The harmony is gently dissonant at times, and the lead vocal is childlike and attractive. A little more closeness to the mics would have made this recording wonderfully intimate. The performances are brilliant, and I've come to expect this from Vosis 8. Let's get a sample of this, because Bob Chilcott's music is becoming a Christmas staple. Uh, by the way, that's what you get when the Americans leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot quieter, and it's a rather a bit of a shock after those first two uh, tracks. Track four, John Francis Wade, and he wrote the uh, text as well. Verse three is by Jean-Francois Etienne Borderie. Oh, come all ye faithful, translated by Frederick Oakley, and verse three, translated by William Thomas Brooke, arranged by Taylor Scott Davis. The Voces 8 Foundation Choir, Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra feature on this track. Once again, we're sprayed with glittery Christmas cheer <laughs> at the foamy opening of this track. Let's hear it. Oh, boy. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm getting tired just <laughs> listening to this album. Anyway, this, to me, it feels like listening to these arrangements is like walking into the locker room of a sports team that just won the championship, and they're like popping champagne <laughs> bottles and spraying each other everywhere. It's big and bold, and I rather liked the arrangement here, though, again, I prefer this to be a bit uh, bearer because the melody is so beautiful and memorable. Davis has all this brass and ringing bells going on in the first verse. The second verse is sung a cappella, and it sounds great. The orchestration, brass, and percussion all come up vividly on the recording. The third verse is more modestly orchestrated with sustained brass chords and wind melodies. Okay, tracks five through nine are a composition by Taylor Scott Davis. The Magnificat. Magnificat anima mea is the first uh, movement of this. Actually, it's all really one piece divided into five tracks. Vosa's Eight Foundation Choir are heard in all movements. Eleanor Cockerham appears as the third soprano and Sam Dressel as a third tenor in all movements of this piece. So I guess you could say it's performed by Vosa's Ten. The Vosa's Eight Foundation Orchestra is also heard in this work. The burst at the beginning of this work is Davis creating the sound of Mary, hearing the good news. The Magnificat, by the way, if for those that don't know, is the... Um, what Mary is supposed to have said after the angel, Gabriel, visited her. 
and uh, told her she was going to give birth to mm. Jesus. She said, uh, my soul does magnify the Lord. And that whole prayer is in the uh, Bible. You can read it there. It's quite a, quite a thing to say <laughs> mm. <laughs> upon getting news like this, especially if you're a simple woman, you know, the wife of a carpenter in the, the Middle East. I think if the angel Gabriel had come into me, I would have said something like, wait, what? <laughs> that, that would have been my entire response. Anyway, let's hear the uh, opening of this. of big splashes in that yeah. uh, movement. I want to say, I do like the uh, melody on the word Magnificat. 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 Yeah. Sounds great. I really like it. Again, this is supposed to be Mary responding to Gabriel's message. And I think, I really mm. think puzzlement would have been <laughs> the, the more mm. you know, accurate response. Although, what do I know? I'm living 2,000 years after those events. Anyway, this piece is the centerpiece of the album. And it starts, as you might imagine by now, with a burst of joy from the orchestra, which we just heard. The first verse is sung in its original Latin, but I've never heard it so joyously set. It's very straightforward, and the harmony is very easy on the ear. But again, this is pretty over the top. The melody is attractive. It's a very original approach to this text, and I have to say, it intrigued me. Unsubtle, though it is. <laughs> the second movement, track six, Shall I Rejoice, text by Dr. Terry York. Here, Andrea Haynes has the soprano solo, and this is not part of the original prayer. This takes us away from the traditional Magnificat text and brings us into English. It's a pretty melody, and though the orchestration glitters, it takes a more modest approach, serving the soprano melody. The text is a meditation by Mary on her own pregnancy. I actually like this movement a lot. The melodic material has some appealing twists to it, and it is touching at times. Voses 8 is on fine form here when they sing uh, harmony in the middle. We're not going to hear that in the sample, but let's sample this track's opening. change there at the end. That was really mm. nice. Beautiful melody, too. I really like that movement a lot. The third movement, Et Misericordia and Mercy. Thomas Gould has the violin solo. We continue with the Magnificat text in Latin. This starts with a drone on reedy-sounding instruments with strings coming in for warm, brief phrases. This movement has a long instrumental opening with the violin soloist playing the melody over the droning accompaniment. The men's voices come in at about the three-minute mark. 
They're eventually joined by the women, and the he has shown me the might of his arm part of the text is punctuated by bold timpani. Get your subwoofer ready for that. Fourth movement. This is track eight. Depositoit. Strings accompany in undulating patterns as the men sing in parallel harmony. I think it's parallel harmony. They seem to be doing that. I might be missing something. The women come in with counter melody as they join the men in the text. The ideas are attractive and uplifting. And track nine, the fifth movement, Gloria Patri, glory to God. Timpani Thunder starts this out. Are you ready for this? Let's uh, hear a sample. I'm overwhelmed. All right, this goes for a strength of declamation when the choir comes in, as you heard. It moves into glittery percussion and fluttering violins, swiping the strings with the bow. Once the opening Gloria section is sung, there's an instrumental interlude for English horn solo, accompanied by harp. The men's voices come back in to sing the as it was in the beginning section. The piece quiets down as it goes on, the opposite of what you'd expect, moving toward a contemplative energy. It certainly doesn't end like that, though. Tambourines are heard, along with the splashy orchestra for the world without end part. The amens get sumptuous, energetic orchestration and rhythm. The final chord is custom-made to pull an audience out of its seats. Track 10 by Anonymous. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, translated by John Mason Neal and Henry Sloan Coffin, arranged by Taylor Scott Davis. Voces 8 Foundation Choir, Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra. This has an ominous droning opening, and the mood doesn't change when the men's voices are heard slowly singing the famous melody. The tempo is very slow, each melody note sustained. On the word rejoice, we get a splash from cymbals and timpani. The tune is actually very attractive at this slow tempo, one of Davis's more appealing arrangements in my opinion. Track 11, Franz Zaver Gruber, text by Joseph Moore, Silent Night, translated by John Freeman Young and arranged by Taylor Scott Davis. This features the Voces 8 Foundation Choir, Illid Jones on the oboe solo, Jack Liebeck on the violin solo, and Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra. It starts with harp and that oboe. The angelic voices of Voces 8 come in in vertical harmony. Just the women's voices, though. The men's voices take over for the second verse. The third verse combines the women and men and is sung with a hush. Orchestral accompaniment here is minimal. There's a fourth verse, which is a repeat of the second verse, and features a winding counter melody from the violin, wrapping the sturdy harmony in its melodizing loops. Track 12. Anonymous. Text by Henry Suso. In Dulci Jubilo. Or Jubilo. Translated by Robert Lucas de Pearsall. Arranged by Robert Lucas de Pearsall. Edited by Reginald Jacques. Okay, I think we're done with uh, Taylor Scott Davis on this album, actually. There's rich harmony in this arrangement. This text is mostly sung in English, and I like the use of the bass voices, really pinning down the harmony and giving sturdy support to the higher voices, which pop out of the texture. This is a cappella and very well realized. I feel like Voces 8 shines most brightly in this piece. Track 13, Anonymous Basque. 
Gabriel's Message, adapted by Sabine Baring Gould, arranged by Jim Clements, featuring the Voces 8 Foundation Choir and the Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra. This is a big-boned orchestral arrangement, though not as over-the-top as Taylor Scott Davis's. The high women's voices sing the first two lines, then the mixed choir is in for the second two. Various verses mix up the arrangement with a third sung a cappella. Track 14, Thomas Hewitt Jones's A Christmas Cracker features the Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra. The last two tracks don't have any vocals at all on them. This one starts with an arrangement of uh, Deck the Halls, 12 Days of Christmas Follows, and I think I heard a snippet of Ding Dong Merrily on High in there, <laughs> and then Angels We Have Heard on High. Uh, Deck the Halls is heard again, the sound on the timpani is fantastic, and the recording is very transparent with great presence. We end with Leroy Anderson's Sleigh Ride, featuring the Voces 8 Foundation Orchestra. There are no words on this. It's just the uh, the original uh, orchestration, apparently, by Anderson. It's a very pleasant excursion through this piece. It sounds of its period, and I'm guessing Anderson himself, as I said, wrote the orchestration. There's even a neighing horse imitation from a trumpet at the end. Uh, well executed, a cheerful, fitting, and not over-the-top end to an album that really is a bit of a mixture of mm. different, and not always compatible, to be honest, styles. It holds together well enough, though, and is very enjoyable. Taylor Scott Davis is undoubtedly a skilled orchestrator with a great ear for the orchestra, but I really question his taste after hearing this album, although maybe I shouldn't. He's American, and, this, and Americans just love this sort of thing. There's nothing modest about any of these tracks, and maybe that puts it in line with some visions of Christmas and the might and power of Jesus Christ the Lord, but it doesn't really align with my vision of Christmas. That's the thing. This is for certain tastes only. For me, the highlight of the album was Davis's Magnificat, which is a work that wears its heart on its sleeve and fits beautifully with Davis's overall vision on this album. Davis's arrangements are way over the top. The arrangements become more subtle in the second half, in which we hear the harmonies of Voces 8 more often. The last three tracks don't feature Voces 8 at all. In fact, we end with two orchestral works. This is very much a crowd-pleasing album, and very much an American crowd-pleasing album. It's an easy listen all the way through. And if you're looking for unbridled joy this Christmas, here it is. It's mostly an explosion of Davis's music, which works really well on the Magnificat, like you say. However, at the end half of the recording, there's some sparser contrasts. You get a little mix of solemnness and then just joyful and fun at the ending. When the voices are there, they do sound kind of inspired and uh, great in the performance. I enjoyed that. Overall, it's maybe a bit uh, too joyful, uh, if that's possible, <laughs> for Christmas. Um, but yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. I liked the enthusiastic kind of uh, yeah. overall nature of it. And it really worked well in the Magnificat. I mean, just really yeah. explodes through. Well, yeah, know, maybe yeah. uneven as a program, but yeah. and good performances. Yeah, it does sound like it was kind of sort of put together at different times, and it was recorded at different times as well. Right. I did, yeah, I didn't dislike it. I just want to make that clear. It's just a little too much for me. Right. It doesn't really feel like a Voces 8 album. It feels like a Taylor Scott Davis album. Right. Yeah, I can see that. And I want to say, if you want to spend Christmas with Voces 8, check out their 2012 release, Christmas, on the Signum label. All right. The third album here is um, by the composer Bob Chilcott, his Christmas Oratorio. This features Neil Davies, the bass, and he sings Herod and Simeon. Sarah Connolly is the mezzo-soprano, and she sings Mary's part. And Nick Pritchard is the evangelist. 
He's more in the tenor range, although it doesn't list that on the uh, album. The choir of Merton College, Oxford, and Benjamin Nichols is the conductor, and this is on the Delphian label. Now, Bob Chilcott, he's pretty interesting. He was rather well-known to record collectors like me uh, before he became a composer because he was a chorister in the choir of King's College, Cambridge. He sang Pie Jesu from Faure's Requiem as a boy soprano, on the David Wilcox uh, 1968 EMI recording of the Forey Requiem. And he sang the opening solo voice of Once in Royal David City in three separate Christmas Eve broadcasts of King's Nine Lessons from Carols. Now I want to say the uh, David Wilcox Forey Requiem was the first recording I ever owned of that piece. So I've mm. heard his uh, boy soprano right away. Uh, he's also, by the way, written a St. John Passion. And this Christmas oratorio sprang from the success of that work. Now, when we think Christmas Oratorio, we think of Bach right away, right? But um, there are others, too. Uh, Heinrich Schutz wrote one. And I want to mention one that I haven't heard yet, but I do want to listen to, is James Macmillan, the Scottish composer, also wrote a Christmas Oratorio that was recorded last year. This year, we're getting Bob Chilcott's version. Now, he write, mainly writes for choir, and he's sort of a choral guy, I guess we could say. He's writing a lot of great uh, choral works that choirs are taking up. And his works are very, I don't want to say easy to sing, but they're not you know professional level only type works. Yeah. Anybody could really sing them if they work at them. Anyway, we start with Jesus Christ, the apple tree. Now, there's a famous uh, setting of this that preceded um, Chilcott's uh, version of it here. The words of this are from Divine Hymns or Spiritual Songs compiled by Joshua Smith in New Hampshire in 1784. It's for two parts, sopranos and altos, but can be sung in unison, two parts or three parts, in any combination of voices. So if you want your choir to sing it, there's a version for you out there. It's a pretty simple arrangement. The first verse is sung in unison with beautiful clarity. The harmony gets more complicated and full with each verse. Uh, the final verse is, like the first one, sung in unison harmony. It's all a cappella, and it's a great clear recording too. Tracks 2 through 18 are the Christmas Oratorio, and this is in three parts. It starts with Lo How a Rose Air Blooming, and this and the ending hymn, A Great and Mighty Wonder, are both set to a broad, sweeping tune that Chilcott calls Partington as a tribute to the Christmas Oratorio's first conductor. All right, so we're all warmed up by the first track, and we get a long pause between the opening and this. Then we hear brass and an organ pedal, which is very satisfying in the subwoofer. You'll notice the melody, though it has a similar profile, is different than the one we're familiar with, with these words. So he's writing this, these words, this very old text, to a new melody that's still similar to the old one. Let's listen to this. Okay, next track, The Angel Gabriel. This is track three. 
text it from St. Luke's Gospel in this section. Notice the rising two-note figure in the harp. The harp always accompanies the evangelist, and the two-note figure acts as a sort of news alert, indicating that the evangelist will speak. Gabriel, on the other hand, is accompanied by the flute, which is heard whenever the text refers to angels. Okay, the vocalist is Nick Pritchard, who sings with a pure voice, very little vibrato, and admirable clarity. Good sensitivity in the phrasing. As soon as Gabriel, sung by Tim Burton, uh, no, not the Nightmare Before Christmas, Tim Burton, <laughs> but a member of the choir, we hear the flute. And we briefly hear Sarah Connolly as Mary answering the angel. This whole section has a narrative quality. Let's sample it. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee. Yeah, we could just listen to that whole narrative throughout the entire track. It really carries you along. The third movement, Magnificat. We just heard a Magnificat. Here it is again. This is Mary's answer to the angel. Sung in English by the soprano while the choir sings it in the traditional Latin. So we hear Sarah Connolly sing her English text with a vibrato-heavy voice while the chorus is clean and smooth and without vibrato. There's lots of contrast here. Connolly's is a pretty heavy voice made for romantic opera, and so she's actually heard clearly over the choir. Let's give this a listen. Track five, a hymn, Thou Whose Almighty Word. This tune is set in a swinging 3-4 in the swing set sense, not in the jazz sense. It's a continuing melody in 3-4. The tune, dedicated to Hereford organist Geraint Bowen, and features a descant, which is an independent treble melody, for sopranos. The piece builds to a rousing finale, and it is inspiring. I'm going to sample this too. Let's give this a listen. Got that uh, sample ending a little too <laughs> right just before the uh, the ending there. Track six, and it came to pass in those days. And then you hear the harp, that two-note uh, news bulletin. The evangelist is back. And we hear the storytelling about how Caesar's decree from the evangelist accompanied by harp 
uh, with lots of those two-note rising motifs. Track seven, A Boy Was Born, is set to words translated to English by Percy Diermer from the German chorale Ein Kind geboren zu Bethlehem. It's a straightforward, more or less block harmony piece with some gorgeous tapering dynamics in the end of the Alleluia, giving them warmth. Part two, track eight, and there were in the same country shepherds. So we hear flutes here, so there are angels present. We don't have the two-note motif, but we do have the harp accompanying the evangelist. Here the angel's part is sung by a member of the choir, Chara Williams. She's got a pretty melody and very slight vibrato to the pure-sounding voice. The shepherd's lines are sung by the choir. Track 9, Hymn, Shepherds in the Field Abiding. The text is a hymn by George Ratcliffe Woodward, here set to Chilcott's tune Laura, dedicated to Laura Jones, Chilcott's editor at Oxford University Press. This is simple and attractive. It's sung in unison harmony with organ accompaniment. The Gloria in Excelsis Deo is harmonized. The second verse is sung by male voices only, and the organ drops out for the third verse, leaving the mixed choir suspended in midair. The last verse features brass, full choir, and organ. Nice arranging in this track. Track 10, And They Came With Haste. The evangelist tells of the arrival of the shepherds beside the manger. The rising harp motif is back. I like the technique. It makes the evangelist sound like an ancient bard, you know, playing his uh, lyre and telling his mm. story. Track 11, Love Came Down at Christmas, text by Christina Rossetti. This is uh, accompanied by harp. Connolly has that vibrato, and she lightens her tone for this gentle piece. The choir comes in for the second verse, so Sarah Connolly sings this one. Part 3, Now When Jesus Was Born in Bethlehem. This is track 12. The wise men are represented by a choir accompanied by brass and some rather odd harmonies in that brass, contrasting with the harp-accompanied evangelist. The chief priests have a mixed choir, also accompanied by brass. Neil Davies, the bass, sings the part of Herod with admirable tone and enough lightness to fit into the piece. Sarah Connolly is really the only heavy voice on this album, and she really stands out. I assume Chilcott wanted that as she sang at the uh, premiere as well. Track 13, A Carol to the King, text by Robert Herrick. And Chilcott really has a gift, like John Rutter, of turning out beautiful choral works with simple enough harmonies for even amateur choirs to perform. And I'm sure that's the intention. The harmony is stacked vertically for the most part, so the words are perfectly understandable, and the clarity of the recording helps too. Let's sample this carol. Yeah, beautiful harmony writing there. Mm, I really nice. like that a lot. It can really grow on me, I think, as I get more familiar with it. Track 14, Hymn, As With Gladness Men of Old. A hymn with words by William Chatterton Dix. Here's set to a tune Chilcott calls Patterson, after Alexis Patterson, chief executive of the Three Choirs Festival. 
This rather brief section of the oratorio ends with this very British-sounding hymn, church-like in sound, and very inspiring. There's a surprising gentle tympanum toward the end that registers with startling presence in the left channel of the recording. Part four. I didn't realize there was a part four. I said there were three parts. Hmm. Anyway, part four, tracks 15 through 18. When uh, eight days were accomplished, this was track 15. This section is about the presentation of the baby Jesus to Simeon, the old devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel, who knows he will not see death until he has held the Christ child. And I think this scene appears in Luke's gospel. The accompaniment slips into a major key, like sunlight flooding a room, when he enters the temple to meet Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. We hear flutes in here too, so apparently there are angels floating about. Track 16, Nunc Dimittis. This is Simeon's song, so sort of similar to Mary's song when she gets the message. When Simeon sees the baby Jesus, he sings the Nunc Dimittis. Neil Davies sings this part. From Herod to Simeon, it's quite a switch for him, because he sang King Herod earlier. Here he gets a gentle tone for this tune. The Nunc Dimittis is sung in English. Lord, now lettest thy, thou thy servant depart in peace. He's very old. He's ready to die now that he's seen the Christ child. There are some satisfying bass notes from the organ that gently shake the room. I like it when we get body as well as um, ear stimulation from a recording as here. The choir comes in to assist him as the text goes on. I'd like to sample this track too. that low bass that comes in about 20 seconds in and then just disappears. Just little things like that just really attract me to music a lot. Track 17. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things. The evangelist returns for this last bit of narration. And then, track 18, a hymn, A Great and Mighty Wonder. We hear the Partington tune again here, but this time with a new descant for sopranos. Brass and organ at the beginning have a very satisfying sound. And I have to commend the excellent recording, which gives the sound a 3D quality in only two channels. This is an inspiring ending to the oratorio. Let's hear the beginning of the final track. And that inspiring melody goes on. That's the end of the Christmas Oratorio, but we get two more works on this album. First, track 19, The Pear Tree Carol, written for the Birmingham University Singers, or I should say Birmingham University Singers, of whom Chilcott is principal conductor. 
The occasion was the choir's first concert after the COVID pandemic. So this is a new piece. The poet, Charles Bennett, wrote the words. The poem is about gentle renewal after winter, the consolation of spring, and the renewal of the human spirit. This is sung a cappella and is fairly straightforward in approach, though the sung text isn't as evenly lined up as it was in the Christmas Oratorio. And this is already a popular choral work. When I say it isn't as lined up, I mean that the entries of the voices are scattered for a really beautiful choral effect. Track 20, Welcome All Wonders in One Sight. This features Francois Cloet on the organ. It's commissioned as a present for James O'Donnell, organist and master of the choristers at Westminster Abbey, to mark his final Christmas concert there in December 2022. It's joyous and jazz-oriented. The text is by the 17th century metaphysical poet Richard Crashaw, welcoming the Christ child. It's a bold choral work, sung forte with forte organ accompaniment. For the second verse, the blocky texture changes to something more slippery and fleeting with organ accompanying with arpeggios here. The first verse repeats, giving this piece a ternary form. So the Christmas Oratorio really is a piece for lovers of choir music and of singing in choirs. It sounds like a piece that will travel well and be performable by amateurs, though some soloists are required. The music doesn't sound difficult, but it's very expressive of the season and can put everyone in the seasonal spirit. Performances are all good. I personally would have preferred a lighter voice as the mezzo than Sarah Connolly's voice, but she performed at the premiere, so I guess, as I said, that's the voice Jill Cott had in mind. Each individual hymn and song arrangement in the piece would work well isolated from the oratorio, and so it can be excerpted. The recording is exceptionally fine and captures the tone of the voices in detail. The oratorio really is free of frills and is rather modestly content to present the nativity story in a straightforward fashion, though that straightforward approach is couched in beautiful harmony and melody. This is music for the people. And I'd give a shout out to engineer Jack Davis and producer Jeremy Summerlee for coming up with such a great sounding, highly present recording. I thought this is a real uplifting collection of music. It's a really good balance between kind of contemplation and then joyous expression. The instrumentation is really great, too. I like the warm brass arrangements that are captured well in the recording and the really deep-sounding organ, especially on the last track, which ends with this interesting kind of pulsing organ. It comes right through and enjoyable choral music. Well, I know you like a jazzy Christmas mic. I do. I like my Christmases jazzy and medieval. Medieval. Mostly right. jazzy. I didn't have any medieval Christmas music this year, so I went for the choral. Mm. All right, well, I'm going to stick in the vocal vein for our first recording here. We get some a cappella stuff going with The King's Return. This is a recording. We Four Kings, on their own label, came out November 3rd. They're a Dallas-based quartet. They first got noticed in 2020 when they arranged, performed, and then made a video online of their a cappella rendition of God Bless America. Went viral, and the next year, they did a more classical a cappella performance of Ubi Caritas. I think I shared that one with you. Recorded in the stairwell. Yeah, I remember the stairwell. That got uh, over 10 million views, believe it or not. There's something about singing in a stairwell. After that, they kind of shifted away from gospel focus to try out some different uh, repertoire. In 2021, they had their debut EP. It's kind of more jazzy, a holiday album, Merry Little Christmas. And then last year, they did a cover of the Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love? <laughs> 
Off I could hear LP that. Rove. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And that got a Grammy nomination for Best Arrangement, Instrumental, or Acapella. Now, if you haven't heard them yet, when you hear this, of course, comparisons to Take Six are going to be obvious. I thought of that right away, in fact. So, 1988, the first Take Six album came out. I was at university. I was playing in uh, jazz ensemble. We had a student-led jazz ensemble. We had a little office. And the director guy, I was walking down the hall, he pulled me in there. He said, sit down, listen to this. And he put on you know, the first <laughs> Take Six. We were both blown away by it. Because here you had this acapella gospel sound. But that wasn't what we were really interested in it was that it was arranged like a big band section you know you get a tune and it would be just how you might arrange the parts in a sax section for big band or even multiple sections and no one had ever heard anything like that not to mention you know the quality of the vocals on it so you know this will bring you know, the, some of those uh, sounds of take six to your mind but it's this something different here too with just four voices you're going to be really impressed at the huge sound that they get, and also their own kind of unique style of arrangements, which follow some really interesting lines. So the King's Return are Vaughn Faison, tenor one, J.E. McKissick, tenor two, Jamal Williams, baritone, and Gabe Kunda on bass. We're going to start the recording out with It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, a tune written by Eddie Pola and George Weil. Of course, everyone knows it's Andy Williams from 1963. But of course, this made me think of Take Six right away because they recorded this song too. Right. Now here we get the mouth clip-clop hoof sounds, vocal bell <laughs> chimes. And when they come in on the melody, the arranging is super interesting in every way. Bass lines, inventive harmonization, you name it. And one thing you're going to notice is that any repeat of a phrase is an opportunity to do something new, rhythmically or harmonically. And they're not going to just let you hear the same thing twice. And in order to just capture a bit of that, and then you can get some of the bell effects and hooves too, I'm going to play the end of this tune. So let's check this out. Yeah, yeah. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. Oh, it's the most wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time of the Yeah, I really love the smooth bass sound. It's yeah. kind of like this breathy kind of solid tone. I just really love it. All mm -hmm. the voices just sound fantastic. It's really yeah. amazing. And every time the line is repeated, there's something new. Something's going in a new direction or getting changed up. Really cool. Yeah. Track two is Jingle Bell Rock. Jim Booth, John Beale composition, sung by Bobby Helms back in 1957. This is a vocalized intro with hand claps. It makes a good mood. The melody harmonization is great with the tenor voices, and the bass and baritone have cool doo-doo-doo and wah-wah figures underneath. 
There's another jazzy vocalized section of the melody in the middle of the tune, too. Track three, The King's Nutcracker Suite, <laughs> a little Tchaikovsky here. And I think we should just start listening to this right away because uh, I think you're going to enjoy this a lot. It goes through all the different sections and you'll hear lots of different effects like that. I don't know what you you call a vocal pizzicato, right? <laughs> it's really an ingenious adaptation to an all acapella technique idea with constant changes in variety throughout. It's actually amazing the amount of uh, detail they get into this. Yes. Um, considering, you know, that it's an orchestral score. <laughs> right. It's really amazing. Track four is The Little Drummer Boy. This is by American composer Catherine Kennicott Davis, written in 1941, first recorded by the Trap family in 1951. Oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. This one has an opening of hypnotic mechanical vocal chimes, bass blasts, and hand snaps. The harmonization and answering rumpa-bum-bum lines are very cool. After a minute and a half, there are effects that imply snare drum rolls, assuming that they're done really all by mouth tricks. It's really cool. Uh, the tonal change on the solo tenor voice at 2 minutes and 12 seconds really grabs your attention with its breathiness, getting layers of voices added to it and working back into the mechanical vocal chime ideas. Track 5, Mary Did You Know, lyrics by Mark Lowry in 1984 and music by Buddy Green in 1991. It was originally recorded by Christian recording artist Michael English on his debut album, this one has a great mix of harmonized vocalizations and solo lyric lines that then get harmonized. There are a lot of surprises with unpredictable rhythmic figures, well-synced phrasing with all voices together, and the end section is particularly arresting here with a great final cadence. Uh, let's hear it. That sleeping child you're holding is the great Nice ending. Wow. Track six, Jesus is the reason for the season. This is their original kind of compilation here. Features composer, arranger, multi-instrumentalist, and beatboxer, Isaiah Carter, a.k.a. Isaiah the Alchemist. Uh, this is a fun one. 
It starts out with a phrase from angels we have heard on high, but a neat descending line brings us into some beats and hip-hop rhythms. I dig the funky vocal bass line on this one. At about a minute and 12 seconds, we get some Gloria and Excelsis Dale to break up the beats for a bit. And the ending section with rhythmic yeah, yeah, and descending vocalized figures is really neat, too. Track 7. What a wonderful world. Well, we don't usually think of this as a Christmas tune, but why not? George David Weiss and Bob Thiel's composition for Louis Armstrong, she recorded in 1967. The arrangement is great with a free-flowing tempo that allows you to enjoy the inventive harmonizations. The ending is particularly engaging where they create what I can only describe as an organ-like effect. And we should check that out because it's really unique. And I think to myself What a wonderful world Ooh. And I think to myself What a wonderful world organ there a bit. Track 8, Let It Snow, Jules Stein, Sammy Kahn, for the great Vaughn Monroe, 1945. Bring in guest vocalist Christy Dashiell, who we heard back in episode 124, Mexican Skull and Latin Bones, hmm. with uh, trombonist Javier Nero's Kemet, the Blackland recording. There were some vocals on there that were cool by her. After a vocalized intro here, she'll take the melody over snappy walking vocal bass lines, the harmonies are great and uplifting. Let's hear this get going. takes a little scat vocal on this tune as well and once they get back to the regular vocals her final vocalizations at the end are really charming and now these guys despite making really seriously great sounding music have a good sense of humor as well and we're going to get a little comic track to set up a tune track nine whoville radio which is a simulated call by the grinch into a radio station that will put a smile on your face as an intro to the classic Mr. Grinch, written by Albert Haig and Dr. Seuss from How the Grinch Stole Christmas, right? The children's book by Dr. Seuss, 
Theodore Dr. Seuss Geisel, 1957. And if you're Gen X or later, you'll know the 1966 animated TV special where the voice of the Grinch was actually Boris Karloff. Wow. And this tune was sung by Thurl Ravenscroft. A lot of groups have uh, covered this now. It's become sort of a Christmas song. And it's actually a really good composition. It's it uh, got a, There's a lot in it. And it, this particular performance pulls a lot of that out. It's really great. Yeah, and especially all these real cornball insult lines we remember as kids. Yeah, not only that, it's a great tune for a bass or a baritone oh, yeah. to sing, too. You don't get to hear that voice sing solo often enough in popular music, so... You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as a eel, Mr. Grinch. You're bad banana. With a greasy black You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half a pole. Yeah, great harmonies there with the surrounding vocals. And yeah, it just uh, reminds you of that fun old special. Well, Mike, here in Japan, where Christmas is not an official holiday, things can be a little bit strange. Yeah. Of course, uh, businesses use Christmas for marketing. And you're going to hear music in the shops and cafes. Unfortunately, the song selections are not great. <laughs> well, they're pretty old, usually. Well, yeah. And every year, we're going to hear uh, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You hundreds and yeah. hundreds of times right. until we wish Christmas was over. And <laughs> Which isn't right. We should want Christmas yeah. to come. <laughs> and my uh, <laughs> biggest dislike... Wham's 1984, Last <laughs> Christmas. I wish Especially it were the last Christmas. Uh, I don't ever need to hear that song again. But yeah. here's a song I never get tired of hearing. I was wondering where that was leading. <laughs> yeah. And it's never been played enough, especially when it came out, it wasn't played enough. And I'm talking not about last Christmas, but this Christmas. Ah. By the great Donny Hathaway, also co-writer Nadine McKinner from 1970. It's one of the great R&B Christmas tunes, and Donny Hathaway was such an underappreciated talent, and they really bring something special to this song. You know, the original has a really great horn arrangement on it. I would like to play just this whole thing, but we can at least sample the intro and then the first verse in chorus. This is just a great tune. I'm gonna get to know you better, 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 better. This Christmas and as we dream the tree, how much fun it's gonna be together. Yeah, this Christmas.
Yeah, how isn't that a standard? Boy. I know, it's such an uplifting tune. So well written. Mm. Uh, after the second verse and chorus, and they have a really inventive vocalization for the post-chorus and outro after the final verse. Track 12, Walking in the Air. I don't know this one that well. Howard Blake's composition for the 1982 animated film The Snowman, which is based on Raymond Briggs' 1978 children's book of the same name. Bell-like accompaniment is the feature here, with flowing lines getting everyone into their lower registers and trading off of melodic lines between voices. The arrangement has a cool modulation, unexpected harmonic twists, and builds to this huge climax at three minutes. Uh, let's have a listen to things working up to that point. We're swimming in the frozen sky. We're drifting over ice and mountains floating by. there yeah and the recording ends up with i'll be home for christmas a tune written by kim gannon walter kent buck ram for bing crosby 1943's recording everyone knows that version of it uh someone has gotten the guitar out for this one it doesn't say who to set the atmosphere with some opening riffs and chords there's a little ooh ooh solo voice but you wouldn't have guessed the tune yet they keep it pretty straight and nostalgic once it comes in, though, with well-blended backing vocals. And that wraps it up. 13 songs here at only 38 minutes, but your stocking is stuffed with great harmonies, inventive arrangements, tonal blending, and then highlight featuring of distinctive voices for each part in the tunes. Creative use of rhythms, too. The arrangements evolve through the songs with new ideas constantly blooming out of lines. The influences are wide, gospel, classical, jazz, R&B, hip-hop, with a good dose of humor. The song selection has great variety, too, enough to remember the real reason we celebrate Christmas with Mary Did You Know and Jesus is the Reason for the Season, plus Donny Hathaway, The Grinch, other pop favorites, and even Tchaikovsky. Keep an ear out for what these guys do next. You could take six, but you might only need four with King's Return. Yeah, this is fantastic. Kind of put me back in those uh, take six days, you know, when we yeah. were listening to those records. Yeah, there's always going to be room for something like this at Christmas, uh, a cappella Christmas, especially this slick and smooth, and just yeah, I just really love the, all the individual voices here. Gorgeous, rich harmonies, vocals throughout the album. The tracks are recorded with pristine clarity too, as you heard. Boy, it's really an amazing recording. One can pick up every element of the harmony and the performance. 
Yeah, it's a short album, like you said, at 38 minutes, but I'd say yeah, it's the right length. It doesn't yeah. overstay its welcome. Um, these are pretty complex uh, arrangements, too. They must have spent a long time on them. And the singing and harmonies remain a fascinating listen throughout. Definitely must hear this year. Check it out. Well, then I'm always looking for, you know, some really good jazzy arrangements of Christmas favorites. Me and too. So that's where the next <laughs> album comes in. And this is by Christian Sands, pianist, his Christmas stories. It's on Mac Avenue Records. It came out back in October, October 6th. Sands was born in 1989 in New Haven, Connecticut, where he first started playing piano at age three. By age five, he was already writing music at the Jazz in July music camp at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, where he met his mentor, pianist Billy Taylor, great musician and educator. He went on to the Manhattan School of Music, where he graduated with his bachelor's and master's degrees. And since leaving there, he's played with a lot of big names, including Lou Donaldson, Kirk Wall, Phil Woods, James Moody, and Wycliffe Gordon. He's had high-profile appearances at the 2006 and 2007 Grammys, including a duet with Oscar Peterson, even. And he got wider recognition performing as a guest of... Billy Taylor at the Pianist's 2006-2007 Jazz at Kennedy Center series. Uh, he's recorded with bassist Christian McBride's outfit as well. Here, he's on uh, piano and other keyboards. An interesting Musser Ampli Celeste, which will give us a little music box thing on one tune. We've got Yasushi Nakamura on acoustic bass. Ryan Sands, his younger brother, Christian's younger brother on drums. Marvin Sewell, a really interesting guitarist. Max Light on guitar as well. Stefan Harris on vibes. Jimmy Green on tenor sax. And Keita Ogawa on percussion. The recording's going to start out with Jingle Bells, a tune that was written in 1850 by James Pierpunt at Simpson Tavern in Medford, Massachusetts. But there's something else going on here, Mike. Let's see if the jazz fans can uh, figure out what that is. I'll just start it out so you can have a listen. There's some nice bluesy guitar there from Sewell. And of course, it's Miles Davis's all blues in the piano chords and in the bass ostinato that we hear there. That's really cool. I remember yeah. uh, Phil Woods used to do a similar juxtaposition with Willow Weep for me. Uh, that would always stand out. Joey DeFrancesco did that too on his Christmas album. He used right. all blues for one of the tracks. I can't remember which yeah. one though. Yeah. Sands gets the jingle melody going with playful gospel phrasing on this one. The guitar gets a melody strain too. I think that um, yeah, this sound is really distinctive of uh, Sewell's guitar work. And there's a bluesy guitar solo as well with a modulation 
Back to the piano melody with some playful triplet lines and some repeated final lines to jam out a bit between piano and guitar. It's good fun. Track two, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. This we heard on the previous recording as well. Sammy Kahn and Jules Stein wrote it for Vaughn Monroe back in 1945. This is interesting too. They give it an eight measure kind of modal chord intro with Jimmy Green's smooth tenor sound taking the melody. Uh, Let's just take a listen and see if you can tell what's new on this tune. normally done in 4-4, but this is arranged in a 5-8 meter, which gives it a kind of unique pushing ahead feel. Well, they bring back that intro modal section after the melody as a transition to a solo for green. Really nice bass work pulsing through on this whole tune from Nakamura. Sands has a smooth but really bubbly solo on this tune, so let's hear him do some of that a little bit later in the tune. Green returns for another go on the melody, and there's some phrase repeats and vamping for Ryan Sands to do some tasty drumming at the end as well. Track three is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, written in 1943 by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine, introduced by Judy Garland in the 1944 MGM musical Meet Me in St. Louis. Frank Sinatra had a later recorded version with modified lyrics There's a cute intro where Nakamoto gets to lay out some bluesy bass licks with nice tone and rattling strings. A little break for Sans to pick up into the melody. It's a nice feel, relaxed, light and loping. Playful pauses, rhythmic hesitation, and nice integration between guitar and piano. Right about a minute and 40 seconds, it takes off with more of a swinging chug for Sans' piano solo. Trills and light phrasing in there, getting some more rhythmic left-hand involvement. It's a fun solo. There's a little break back into the melody. And Ryan Sands gets to work a bit at the end before the final dissonant chord. And I really kind of liked that. Track four is God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. This tune goes way back to the 17th century. 
And here it's uh, God rest ye merry caballeros, I think. And it's a Latin version. <laughs> Sounds uh, cool with percussion from Keita Ogawa. Well, let's check out the intro and uh, break and then the melody here. Sense shows a nice touch with chiming chords and works into a snaking, tantalizing solo with nicely integrated two-hand ideas. And there's a more frenzied percussion and Cubanesque piano section that's pretty exciting uh, later on. Let's just uh, go up and see if we can check out some of that. much resting by the gentleman going on in uh, this tune, but it's a lot of fun. Track five, we're going to get into some originals from Sands now, and this one's called Snow Days, D-A-Y-Z. It's got an up-tempo rock beat. If you grew up in a cold climate, it's the kind of that exhilaration of waking up on a winter day with blinding white snow, and you can run over to turn on the radio to find out if school's canceled. That's oh, what yeah. I felt uh, from this tune. There's an eight-measure intro. And then a long melody of 62 measures, it starts to then repeat, but goes into different directions. Then it's super rhythmic and pressing forward. Sands gets some zippy piano improvisations, and it's Max Light on guitar here with some spacey tones floating through the tune. After about four and a half minutes, it chills out with some synthy sounds, electric piano and guitar floating over bass and bass drum to the end. Well, then... Sort of the downside of those snow days is uh, track six, shoveling. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, Sands is original. Of course, you know, once you become an adult, the snow's not so fun anymore. You've got to get out extra early in the cold morning, shovel off the walkway, and get the car and driveway all cleared out. And this solo piano piece kind of evokes that mood, uh, starting out with some wind and crunchy snow sound effects from the beginning over sparse piano. Uh, let's hear some of that now that I've described it. You probably want to hear it. Thank you. 
Well, the wind keeps blowing throughout and the piece gets more development. There's a kind of bittersweetness in the melodic phrases, some nice close harmonies and chiming notes. Overall, it's very introspective and pretty. Track 7, Silent Night. Piano and synthy sounds and guitar slide make a wash of an intro into the melody that comes soft and clear on piano and gets more low rolling rubato lines. At a minute and a half, a steady tempo with high ringing repeated basses set, and we hear the melody again. Sewell is sliding cosmic little figures above, and Nakamoto gets to dig in with some bass over the new atmosphere. Let's hear some of that in this tune about two minutes in. Sands gets a rhythmic improvisation starting to work up, and everyone contributes to the building groove. Sewell gets to rock out on some slide work, too. Finally, Sands brings the melody back in chiming fashion over the big beat before they chill it out for an atmospheric ending. I enjoyed the evolution of the song. Track 8, A Christmas Hymn. This is an original by Stefan Harris and Christian Sands, and it's a short duet between the two of them, vibes and piano. It has a kind of gospel impressionism about it, I would say. Harris gets to do some nice mallet improvisations here. Let's hear a bit of it from where the vibes join in at about a minute and 20 seconds. goes on for a bit longer, just 2 minutes and 37 seconds long, but it's understated and quite a pretty tune. Track 9 is called The Gift, another Sans original. It's a music box chiming intro of the melody together with piano with little slowdowns like an unwinding effect. That must be the Celeste. It's two 8 measure 6 8 phrases, some sleigh bells added in too. Sewell has that ethereal slide and Harris's in for the melody idea we heard in the intro of gentle descending lines on vibes that the piano joins. 
Nakamura gets a rhythmic and ringing high register bass solo, and Harris gets a spot on vibes with some speedy mallet work, and Sands has some piano lines underneath. It works to a pause and a slower sparse final section with final floating vibes, piano, and guitar lines over a slow bass and drum pulse until it just kind of evaporates. And track 10, Last Christmas. No, wait, not the dreaded Wham! song I mentioned before, but an original new one from Sands. It's a rubato waltzing melody, kind of melancholy. That's part of Christmas, too, when you remember the loved ones uh, who aren't with you anymore. And there's some nice harmonies, and Sands gets joined by strings, who are Andrew Joslin on violin and viola, Eli Weinberger cello. And the string arrangement is by Stephen Feifke. Oh, now, nice. I had to go to all music to find these credits. <laughs> now, you can do better than this Mac Avenue Records. Get this kind of info on your homepage, or at least on the Bandcamp album sales page, because it's not there. Anyway, mini rant over. Uh, let's hear this a bit from uh, where the strings join in at a minute and 43 seconds. It's pretty without becoming syrupy, and I especially like the final rich string chord at the end of the tune. And that wraps up the recording. So it's a mix of reimagined traditional Christmas tunes, like Jingle Bells with All Blues, Let It Snow in 5-8, and some originals evoking different moods. There's a mix of joy with creative solos, and some quieter contemplation as well. The varied instrumentation is enjoyable with Harris's vibes, Sewell's interesting guitar tone and strings on the final track. Throughout, Sands' piano is enthusiastic and tasteful. It's a nice new jazz Christmas concept album. Yeah, add it to your list for sure for this year. Yeah, I thought this album had a mostly bluesy feel to it, and I thought it worked well with the traditional tunes to get it to uh, mm. sound like that. I found the new tracks, uh, Snow Days and Shoveling, to be a bit odd stylistically mm. <laughs> yeah they are. didn't yeah snow day sounded like a rock tune and uh shoveling was more of like an had an ambient accompaniment to yeah. it so they kind of <laughs> i thought i'd changed albums there for a minute um i really like the approach to silent night on this though which builds from more atmospheric character and it's seven minutes mm. to something rather soulful at the end and i especially like the addition of the vibraphone on track eight I wish we could have heard more of that on the album. I have mm. to say, I like the uh, Christian Sands and the ensemble takes on the classics much more than the original compositions. You know, I, right. I just, I guess they just felt, you know, more seasonal to me. I felt that the original compositions just kind of changed the mood of the album. Not that they're not good compositions, just that they mm -hmm. kind of felt like 
They shouldn't be. They should be somewhere else. They were more atmospheric than anything else. And nevertheless, it's a good listen for the holidays. I enjoyed it too. All right. Now this year we're going to get a little special treat because, yeah. well, Mike, you and I have been fans of Vince Guaraldi. Well, really before we even knew who he was. <laughs> I know. It's true. And I mean, from the Charlie Brown animation TV specials, right? Yeah. You could even say before we knew what jazz was. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, the other part. Po that's possible. Because <laughs> uh, I think that Charlie Brown Christmas came out the year I was born. Wow. <laughs> 1965. God. So in 2015, mm. we got the 50th anniversary edition of A Charlie Brown Christmas. And then this year, in October, that was the 50th anniversary of A Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. And that was the first time the full soundtrack has been made available. And it's a pretty funky... Uh, yeah. Yeah. You got drummer Mike Clark, you know, from Herbie Hancock uh, days, uh, electric bassist Seward McCain, Tom Harrell on trumpet, and trombonist Chuck Bennett. Guaraldi had gotten funkier, and you can hear that uh, Wurlitzer, Fender Rhodes, and Clavinet in there, along with some whistling. And you also hear Guaraldi himself singing on uh, the Little Birdie tune. Yeah. Some of the songs had been available on 1998's uh, Charlie Brown's Holiday Hits on Fantasy Records, but not everything. So, yeah, no, that they didn't sound as like they do now. They've really right. kind of spruced them up in the uh, remaster. Right. And this year, there are a couple uh, Garaldi tributes. There's another recording if you want to check it out. Uh, Christmas Time is Here. Peter Sprague plays Vince Garaldi. It's on SBE Records. That came out November 6th. But I chose this one because I think it captures and celebrates the spirit of the original that we love and has a mix of Garaldi Charlie Brown tunes, including from the Great Pumpkin Thanksgiving special and Christmas special. And that's Isaiah J. Thompson's A Garaldi Holiday. It's on Outside in Music. came out just this week, December 1st. And the recording notes include this quote from Thompson, Quote, to this day, anytime I hear Christmas time is here, Thanksgiving theme, or Linus and Lucy, I'm reminded how much Guaraldi's music has shaped who I am today. The holidays carry so many of my most precious memories, and I can't imagine them without Guaraldi. I want to pay tribute to him because for so many people, I believe Vince Guaraldi may have been their introduction to great music and to jazz. Yeah, that's I think it was what you that's were true right. with me. Yeah, I'd echo those sentiments as well. Mm. All right, so Thompson's originally from West Orange, New Jersey. He studied at the Calderon School of Music from an early age. He graduated from the Juilliard School with both his bachelor's in 2019 and master's of music in 2020. He's played with Ron Carter, John Pizzarelli, who's on this record, Christian McBride, Steve Turay, Buster Williams, and uh, his recording debut was featured on Jazz at Lincoln Center's Blue Engine Records. He has a few other recordings out under his name as well already. And here he is as the leader here on piano. As I mentioned, John Pizzarelli on guitar, Anthony Hervey on trumpet, Alexa Tarantino on alto sax and flute, Julian Lee on tenor saxophone, Philip Norris on bass, Kyle Poole drums and percussion. We've got uh, two featured vocalists, Tariq McDowell and Robbie Lee and some additional vocals, Caitlin Obian thompson and Maddie Pizzarelli. We're going to start out with uh, The Great Pumpkin Waltz. It's from The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, 1966. It's probably the most memorable tune from yeah. that special, too. It's really pretty. 
The original tune had flute on it, and here we're going to get Julian Lee's smooth tenor sax on the melody and some chorus whistling for that charming, slightly out of tune effect. Uh, it's warm and keeps the original mood. And Lee gets an improvised solo and it floats nicely. But let's check out Thompson's solo on this tune from about two minutes in. really digging in there but he keeps some playfulness in there as well back to the melody with the sax and whistling and it gets wispy to a fade out track two is the charlie brown theme this is by vince guaraldi and lee mendelson and it's from the great pumpkin as well but also was on the album jazz impressions of a boy named charlie brown from 1960 it kind of follows him through those early specials really right well norris snaps this one in on the bass and they make it rhythmic and fun with a little gospel feel. Pizzarelli's rhythm guitar sounds really good here. Norse is up first for a bass solo and makes it sing out. And Pizzarelli goes next with a happy solo with triplet figures, double stops, and choppy chords. Thompson works the piano up with some nice tremolos and then makes it more bluesy with percussive chords. It's another run through the melody that closes it out. And it's obvious that everyone is having a lot of fun and the joy really comes through on this tune. Track three, the Thanksgiving theme from a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving 1973. As we said, the 50th anniversary full soundtrack came out this year. Uh, You can hear the different short versions of this on that recording, uh, some with Rhodes piano. And here it's going to get some really full development. So it starts sparse and then builds up. Nice arranging with sax flute and harmony muted trumpet. And let's hear a bit of that from where the horns come in after about a half of a minute. sax solo with great tone from Alexa Tarantino and Thompson has an enthusiastic chiming piano solo too the horns are back for a big arrangement then it comes down soft with some neat bendy bass lines and soft piano until the horns join in again with some more alto sax lines standing out as well he really builds a lot out of a small theme in this arrangement and it shows the level of inspiration track four is little birdie 
And this is featuring Tariq McDowell. This is also from the Thanksgiving special. The original had some really funky Rhodes piano, some wah-wah guitar, muted trumpet, I think, from Tom Harrell, and some uh, Randy Newman or maybe Jack Sheldon-like vocals from Guaraldi himself. And here it's uh, McDowell on the vocals, and he gets it going with snaps and some vocal impressions of the bass line. It's sparser than the original, but the bass and piano left-hand ostinato is infectious. Let's hear it get started out. It's going to shift into a more driving swing with walking bass. Lee gets a rhythmic tenor sax solo with fun low blasts along the way, working up to high cries. And Thompson gets a solo too on this one, and he's pretty excited and percussive on here. So let's skip ahead to just pick up a little bit on that. back for some more final vocals before the whole tune fades out. Track 5, O Tannenbaum, or O Christmas Tree. Now we're jumping ahead to the Charlie Brown Christmas special. We're really back, or ahead yeah. in the season, really. Yeah, in the season. We're back into 1965. This was back the first year, special. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of the things that was always so funny uh, to kids was how the adult voices in the Charlie Brown TV shows <laughs> were always incomprehensible sounds of plunger-muted brass mutes doing wah-wahs. <laughs> and trumpeter Anthony Hervey reminds us of that here with some plunger-mute fun opening this one up and continuing on into the melody. We just have to hear this. <laughs> Well, 
And on into a playful solo, it's great stuff. Thompson gets some piano improvisations on this one too. Percussive chords, skittering lines, and some interesting harmonic ideas. Norris has a melodic and bluesy bass solo as well. It's a fine and fun little trumpet cadenza too at the end. Track 6, Christmas is Coming, also from the Charlie Brown Christmas. All the rhythmic energy of the original is picked up on and enjoyed here with some extra percussion as Thompson builds up the beginning even beat section before the big break into swing. And we should hear some of this excitement from a little bit further in on the tune. into the even beat melody section then everyone gets involved with claps and cheers to whoop it up to the ending track six christmas time is here i think he takes a bit of a risk on this one the original and most covers of it are done as a slow three four ballad uh, it has such pretty harmonies to pull out well have a listen here tenor sax there it's not only faster but it's in five eight time wow the second tune tonight we heard like that so that gives it that pushing ahead feel i'll go along with it there are animated solos from thompson and lee on this one and keeps it brisk and fun this has become like a standard now which i'm really happy to hear it's such a beautiful song so there are so many recordings of it coming out now there's even mm-hmm. one this year by gregory porter who we'll mention later right why not do something different you know it's, yeah, I guess. Um, it's becoming so familiar that we may as well hear different approaches to it then we've got uh, the christmas song the old mel torme robert wells tune chestnuts roasting on an open fire here we're going to have robbie lee featured on vocals it starts out as usual the lyrics are changed i guess to avoid offending certain indigenous peoples <laughs> um, folks are bundled head to toe instead of folks dressed up like eskimos which I yeah. want to point out, Samara Joy sings on her album, which I was yeah. happy about. Yeah. Couldn't mm. they say, like, 
bundled like Inuit. Let's all get into <laughs> it or something. I don't know. Oh but I want to hear the, the line about the tiny tots change to tater tots with their fry all aglow. Yeah. <laughs> or as we used to sing it, chipmunks roasting on an open fire. Right? <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, it's the next line here that we're really not <laughs> sure about. We had a big discussion about this yeah. this week. <laughs> I want you to listen closely. I'm going to play it. And you tell us, is it a pronunciation or a poultry problem? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks bundled head to toe Everybody knows a turkey egg What? <laughs> <laughs> that made me sit up too i'm listening to the song and then he says what a turkey it's a you know i had the i actually did a search for this on the internet it's actually a real thing yeah, it is yeah so the question is did he mean to say turkey or did he mean to sing turkey does he have a turkey every year for christmas this I, this brings up so many questions for me yes the transylvanian <laughs> naked necked chicken also known as the turkey or turkin the turkey turkin would be good in a song title somewhere mm. you know turkin blues or something you know i think it's going to be hard to find one of those at the grocery store here mike um but i do know a place where you can order the turducken which might be <laughs> even better. It's hard know. enough to get a turkey here. They don't do yeah. turkey in Japan, really. It's kind mm -hmm. of a, yeah. Well, anyway, back to the music. Uh, it's just a duo voicing piano all the way. And Thompson takes a restrained solo section for himself before Lee is back with the final section. I want to know what his Christmas dinner is like now. I, I, send us a picture. <laughs> Track nine is What Child Is This? The uh, William Chatterton Dix Composition over green sleeves. This is also from the Charlie Brown Christmas special. A little more rhythmic reimagination on this one as well. Staccato piano notes work into stabbing horn staccatos and then a legato flowing horn melody with a neat little skip in it. It gets harmonized the next time around. Hervey is up first for a trumpet solo with some half valve smears and slowly building intensity with intervals. Julian Lee follows on tenor sax, keeping the spirit and with some nice interaction with Thompson's piano chords. When Thompson's solo starts, they shift it from 6-8 into a fast 4-4 over walking bass. And this is at least a double espresso solo in our rating system. The horns have some fun clipped phrases before it suddenly quiets down with just the rhythm section whispering it to the end. Track 10, Odd Lang Syne. And I don't remember this being in A Charlie Brown Christmas, but it was in A Happy New Year, Charlie Brown, I believe, from 1986, although Vince Guaraldi had been, uh, he had passed away by that time. Yeah, and that was past my time of seeing these specials, too. And although I haven't seen it, there was a Snoopy Presents uh, for Odd Lang Syne, which was released on Apple TV in 2021, but oh. of course I haven't seen that either. Anyway... 
Thompson starts it solo and rubato, giving it a gospel atmosphere with shifting chords. And midway through, it gets a humming chorus. I wasn't expecting that, but mm. it kind of works. Track 11, the Heartburn Waltz. And this one is from Be My Valentine, Charlie Brown. Oh, really? 75, that's right. I was wondering if this wasn't an original, but no, huh? it's mm. a Giraldi composition. Yeah, the original tune was on electric piano, and here it's more relaxed, and Thompson starts it out with an amazing little run and wonderful lightness in his chords, and Alexa Tarantino is featured on the melody on flute, working little figures uh, with the piano. Let's hear it get going. It's dainty and very nice, and Tarantino's solo is relaxed in phrasing with nice spaces and fun flutters. Norris gets a bass solo that really sings out too and has a lot of agile triplet figures, and the final low flute lines before the ending are great too. Yeah, I seem to re remember that one now. I kind of... Yeah. Not to mention this, the Be My Valentine one. And track 12, Linus and Lucy kind of became the Peanuts theme, I guess. Everyone knows this. It's also from Jazz Impressions of a Boy Named Charlie Brown, the recording from 1964. And I think it shows up in the Christmas special and also the Thanksgiving special as well. Uh, a big gospel tremolo intro build up for this one. Lee's tenor sax gets the melody and Thompson's original piano fill ideas are a cool addition. Uh, let's hear it get started because it's the last tune. Well, the swinging section is fun, too, with the unison piano and sax figures. Lee gets a rhythmic sax solo with some soulful blowing over some stop time. Thompson has fun over both the even and swinging sections with percussive chord work and tremolos back into the sax melody. And that wraps up the album. Thompson and others here keep the spirit of Garaldi's originals, express their joy at playing the music, and 
that all really comes through. They expand and explore from the short Thanksgiving theme and take some chances with arrangements in other places like on the new meter for Christmas time is here. It all comes together well and it's filled out with the horn section. Nice solos from them all as well. Even flute from Tarantino. Thompson sounds especially inspired, really digging in rhythmically on the piano solos. If you like Vince Guaraldi and the Charlie Brown animations, you're pretty much guaranteed to enjoy this recording. Yeah, this really put me in the holiday spirit. And uh, by holiday, I mean everything from Halloween right up to New Year. This really did the whole thing. Bring us to Valentine's Day even, yeah. <laughs> that you mention it. I've heard several albums by pianists playing Guaraldi's music over the years, because even in the 80s, there were a few. There was a Cyrus Chestnut one, too. Right. That yeah. was pretty good. But this is, to me, was the most put together one that I've heard that's outside of Guaraldi himself playing and the most true to the spirit of the original performances, despite the fact that they often go off of the tempo or the feel of the original Guaraldi performances. But, you know, that's what jazz is about. I just liked how filled out this was. I liked the way they filled out some of the compositions mm -hmm. because they're sort of fragmentary in the uh, specials. Right. And it's a fantastic Christmas album. I guess I should really say holiday album. And yeah. it, it'll put you in a good place, I'd say. So definitely check that out. Always nice to hear more of this music uh, reimagined. And uh, yeah, it lives on. All right. Uh, finally, I want to mention two other recordings. They've gotten a lot of press and their vocal albums, so I didn't uh, choose them to discuss in detail, but I've been listening to them. And if you haven't heard them yet, you might want to add them to your Christmas playlist. The first one is Christmas Wish on Blue Note by Gregory Porter. Uh, he's got a nice mix of traditional songs, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, uh, Motown tunes, and three of his own originals. I especially love the third track, his original, Everything's Not Lost. I'll play you just a little clip of that and see if you can get this hooked into your ear. Help me just to pass this test of time I wish that I was blind Strange thing to wish for but I just can't unsee all this misery. Help me clear this fear that's in my mind. I wish that it was lost. I can't help but think. This world is on the brink in my mind. You know you're going to want to hear that golden baritone voice. Uh, He's really got a fantastic recording. timbre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice album. And it includes a duet with Samara Joy on What Are You Doing New Year's Eve. And she's got her own more of an EP out. It's only 24 minutes with six songs. And that's on Verve. And it's kind of always a pleasure to hear her voice on some holiday material, too. So I'll put that down there in the links as well. So if you want some more vocal jazz for your playlists, check those recordings out as well. Yeah, I want to say something about that Samara Joy album. It's six tracks, and it's pretty short. And yet it's been released as a CD. Mm. Like, it's a full-priced album. It's $13. And uh, I feel like you got to fill it out more than that if you're going to put that on the market as a 
solid you know product or charge a lower price. Well, it's it, it's really great though. Yeah. Next year they'll have the expanded <laughs> edition, and so you can buy it again. And then after that there'll be the Japan special tracks. No, expanded I don't. Edition. I don't go for and the then, Japan yeah. special <laughs> edition. But let's hope so because I do want to hear more of her singing. She sounds yeah. fantastic on that album. It's far too short. I, I want to hear her sing more Christmas uh, tunes. So, Samara so Joy, get 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 to it there. Anyway, this is going to be coming out on Monday, December 4th. you got three weeks to be inspired for all of your uh, holiday shopping. Spend up all your hard-earned pay and your bonuses, and um, that should put you in a good mood. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. I get, Yeah, I think I'm there. I'm sure, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure next week will put me back into that state of gravity that I'm usually in, but uh, got some uplifting... Christmas spirits from this episode, and we hope uh, we've uh, brought that yeah. to you, listeners, too. You know, giving you a little bit of a nostalgia and just a little of that uh, holiday warmth to uh, enjoy the days. Yeah, and we're going to have uh, two more regular episodes with new recordings before we get to our best of the year. And I have to tell you, some of these uh, recordings are probably going to be on our year end list. I know at least one of them is going to be on mine. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, know, I think I know which one that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've already been listening to that. All right. Uh, anyway, if you want to find out what's on next week's list a few hours after this episode is published, we'll have that uh, Deezer playlist up on Deezer and also a link to it from our Facebook page. So you can check that out. Start listening early if you'd like. As always, thanks to Fast Signs of Staten Island for our glowing neon logo. And remember to check out the same difference two jazz fans, one jazz standard podcast. We'll have a little promo from them at the end when we sign off here. Happy start to the holiday season, and we'll be back with a regular episode for you next week. So until then, keep listening. Same difference. Two jazz fans, one jazz standard. A review of a single jazz standard through music, history, and stories. And this is AJ. And this is Johnny. If you are a jazz fan and you like jazz standards, bebop, show tunes, ballads, you name it. Yeah, we've got them here. We drop a new show on you every other week, and we take a standard, and we listen to a few different versions of it. Same difference. Come join the fun. Looking forward to seeing you.